I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage. It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. So it's December 2021. Welcome to our distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today in this fantastic... This is an online launch event. The presenter is wearing an elegant white evening dress. She's in front of a big screen with a futuristic logo on it that says Hyperverse. Ladies and gentlemen, here we would like to tell you the Metaverse is here. Beware, it matters. The global launch of Hyperverse is happening right now. The CEO of this new company appears on the screen. The Hyperverse world will be a virtual world where everyone can begin a new life of new discoveries and possibilities and where you can explore, work, play and interact with each other in a decentralized environment. He's introduced as Stephen Reese Lewis. He's got a lot of achievements and creds and he looks the part. He's got a dark business suit on, a crisp white shirt. And then not long after the launch, the Hyperverse Twitter feed posts video endorsements from celebs like Chuck Norris. Under the leadership of CEO Steven, Hyperverse will be the leader of Metaverse space. And Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. And I'm here to support Steven and Hyperverse. Two Steves again? The thing is, Steven, the CEO, Stephen Reese Lewis, he's not real. There's no such guy. And the Hyperverse, it collapses. And it takes with it an estimated $1.3 billion from investors across the globe. Sarah Martin is with The Guardian Australia. She's an investigative journalist, and she's been covering all things Hyperverse. And she's here with me now. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on Frontburner. My pleasure to be here. Okay, so... The hyperverse. This has been described by some regulators as a pyramid scheme, possibly a scam. I know the Guardian's been avoiding using the word scam, but and you describe it as a multi-level marketing scheme. Maybe it's best to kind of put aside labels and just tell me how, how does it work? So people were told to buy a membership in mm-hmm. either Hyperverse or Hyperfund, which was the precursor to Hyperverse. Mm-hmm. And through that membership, uh, you were offered daily rewards with a 300% return over 600 days and daily rewards of 0.5% as a minimum. So uh, people were told they were going to get a a huge return on their membership. Um, In terms of the activity behind that, uh, in Hyperfund, they were told that this was going to be uh, generated through Bitcoin mining operations, which were backed by the multi-billion dollar group of companies behind the scheme. Uh, And then in Hyperverse, it was a a little little less clear, but uh, basically people were told that um, their membership would be to the metaverse. And the metaverse was this sort of new frontier 
volunteer and people were encouraged to come on board early to take advantage of this new uh, intergalactic uh, space where they would be able to uh, live out this new virtual world at, uh, in an avatar of their choice. And somehow that was going to generate these astonishing rewards for them. Okay. So I'm already lost and no fault of yours. It just sounds really uh, kind of arcane and, and complicated. So mm. let, let's break it down a bit. So mm. there's more than the, 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 the hyperverse. There's, there's a number of different things associated with this all kind of branded with hyper They're mm. They're basically being asked to, to come in, invest, and then you have to pull in people. And the more people you pull in, the more you reward, like how, how is this purported reward system working Break that down for me. So absolutely, yes. Like a classic pyramid scheme, people were incentivized to bring in new people. So you accumulated your daily rewards, um, even if you were a, a passive uh, investor, but mm -hmm. you're, you could turbocharge your rewards by bringing people into the scheme. And right. that was sort of structured in a way that down to 20 levels. Uh, so your downline, if you recruited someone, again, this is like uh, classic multi-level marketing stuff, but if you recruited someone into your downline, you would get a cut of the um, their membership fees paid and so on and so forth down the chain, down to 20 levels. So early on in the scheme, people in those upper tiers uh, made a lot of money very yeah. quickly. Um, and of course, I think we, you know, we know how this story ends. Uh, the uh, people at the bottom are the ones who really lose out when the whole thing falls over. So there were like early investors who did see some money, but then, then the, the hammer kind of dropped and people started losing money. Right. Mm. I mean, I know you've talked to folks who have, who've lost a lot of money. So I guess mm. I'm just curious what, what they've told you. How, how did that, how did they realize they weren't getting their money back? Yeah, so basically there were there were limits on when you could withdraw your rewards and how it worked was that you could convert your rewards that were accumulating in something called hyper units. You could convert your rewards uh, into a cryptocurrency and then withdraw those funds. But obviously throughout the, the whole uh, program, you're encouraged to keep your rewards in the system and to accumulate them. And obviously, if you're getting such incredible returns, then why wouldn't you? And of course, in the early in the piece, many people sort of test the system. You know, they mm -hmm. like might put in their, their minimum amount. They see if they can withdraw it. They go, okay, this, this system's amazing. I'm getting these incredible rewards. Like I'm all in, like sell the mm -hmm. house, sell, <laughs> tap into your superannuation. Like this is amazing. And so right. um, it's sort of one of those uh, perverse things about the scheme is that that early success um, sort of begets greater later failure. So, you know, as, as this as this grew, um, and of course, again, like classic uh, multi-level marketing schemes, you're mostly introduced to it through someone you know and you trust, which is, again, how these things proliferate so rampantly. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, early on, people did make a lot of money. Mm. Um, and one of, one of the first people I spoke to when I was investigating this was actually a guy in Tuscany, Italy, who he was saying that it had been quite incredible because early on in the piece, there were these dudes like driving around in Lamborghinis, mm. making an obscene amount of money. Um, people were like, I want in on that. <laughs> um, uh, they joined up and then you know, they were driving Lamborghinis, they, they lost a lot of money. And so some of these uh, people who made a lot of money early had, I mean, they couldn't walk down the street anymore. There were so many people angry at them for their losses and some of them had left 
to Dubai. Um, it was it had just torn this little town apart allegedly. So um, you know, I think that's a, a pretty common story. And of course, you've got um, that interesting and in many cases traumatic dynamic where someone you know introduce you to the scheme. They were they had made money, but then the person they bring in loses money. So uh, all the complications that come with that, not just about the loss of money, but the loss of trust and the you know the destruction of relationships as a result. A couple things stand out to me. One is that we, you know, mm. we're talking about this after you've done this really quite considerable work on it and uncovered a lot of it. But at the time, I mean, you, you, there's also a woman you, you spoke with just said, you know, it was really believable. Mm. Um, so I know that we're talking, you know, the way we're talking about it now, it seems kind of silly that people would invest their money. But mm. I guess I guess one of the things that stands out is that, that there, there was a period of time when it seemed legit at some level. Oh, absolutely. I, I imagine most people come to this with a degree of skepticism and say, hey, buddy, this sounds too good to be true. And, you know, your, your mate shows you the, the dashboard. They say, no, look, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I withdrew some money. This works. Like, this is amazing. Mm. Get Like, you know, that's how, that's how this works. Um, and I think we all know when things sound too good to be true, um, they usually are. But I guess there's a few interesting elements to this. I mean, one, obviously, crypto if you're not familiar with it, you know that people are getting rich. You think, okay, maybe I can get on this bandwagon and, and make some money. Um, maybe these returns are not too good to be true in the crypto world. Maybe this is how right. it works. Um, and then I guess the thing that's really struck me is this really took off throughout the pandemic. So you had this, right. um, you had this combination of people feeling financially precarious um, and at the same time stuck at home behind the computer screens looking for a sense of community. And right. this from what I can see, they, I mean, they really hammered home this hyper community element and they had these daily Zoom meetings and people felt they were part of something. And I think that combination really sort of ticked a lot of boxes for people. The other thing too is, is I mean, you mentioned this, these folks in, in Tuscany, right? But I mean, mm. this was, this, this was around the world. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was huge in North America. Quite late in the piece, there was an investor warning in Quebec, but um, it was big in Europe. Yeah, this was, this was rampant around the world. And I've been surprised at how, you know, you can have such an enormous um, scheme go unchecked. Uh, you know, we're talking about something that's clearly in excess of a, a couple of billion dollars Uh I don't know how big it got to and how um, large the losses are, but we know from chain analysis that in 2022 it was 1.3 billion US dollars, wow. um, and I suspect that's probably the tip of a tip of the iceberg. Hi, I'm Salima Shivji, and I'm a reporter here in Mumbai. We're gearing up for the biggest election in history right now, with Prime Minister Narendra Modi looking very likely to win his third term. And whether you love him, hate him, or know nothing about him, there's no denying Modi is one of the most powerful political figures out there right now. Learn why in the newest season of Understood. Modi's India Understood, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
so there's a couple guys running these schemes. And mm. well, I want to talk about them in a bit. But you, you talked about uncovering the CEO of Hyperverse, the, the purported CEO of Hyperverse, I guess. Mm. This is a guy named Stephen Reese Lewis. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Reese Lewis, CEO of Hyperverse. Since we celebrated our official... Let's start with, I guess, what the company was saying about him. How is he being put forward? So who's this guy, Stephen Reese Lewis? <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. So Stephen Reese Lewis was um, put up at the launch of Hyperverse in December 2021 as the chief executive of Hyperverse. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen is a proven business builder with extensive experience across emerging markets, new technologies, and digital assets. As the CEO of Hyperverse, he's determined to use new technologies to craft out a new space for the community in a new metaverse universe. They sort of promoted Stephen Reese Lewis as this uh, star of the fintech world. He was presented in the video launch as someone who had worked for Goldman Sachs. He'd sold a web development company to Adobe. He'd launched an IT startup firm. And uh, the Hypertech group apparently was so impressed with this guy that they decided they wanted him to front Hyperverse. It sounds like there was something uh, tweaking in you that made you think he wasn't real. What, what, what started raising flags for you? Well, there was just no record of this guy anywhere outside of Hyperverse material. Um, you know, I checked the UK company's register. He had an English accent, so it, it seemed that he had come from the UK. There was no record of this guy in the UK. There was no record of any acquisition of a company owned by a Stephen Reese Lewis in any public SEC filings mm. of Adobe, did some uh, basic journalistic legwork and contacted all of the companies and organisations that were cited. And I was sort of just hanging on to hope that someone would work out who this guy was. I was like, I, I was convinced. I was like, this guy does not exist. Like it's not possible right. in the internet age to have a such a, a illustrious career in the fintech industry and yet have zero internet footprint. I mean, it's just, it's just, impossible but you know to be able to prove that is is difficult so once we published the story i was delighted a um, us-based youtuber um actually used a um uh, face recognition software right. to track down this guy now before i made this video i wanted to be crystal clear that this was definitely our guy i didn't want to shine a spotlight on an innocent man and end up ruining somebody's life so here's a couple of side-by-side -side pictures of our boy steve-o and our fake CEO, Steve Reese Lewis. And it's pretty obvious that we're talking about the same guy, but just in case you're still not totally convinced. And then we were able to speak to him and I was able to convince him to have a chat to us about how it was that he became the, you know, fake chief executive of this uh, global multi-billion dollar uh, crypto investment scheme, which is not something you uh, stumble across every day. And and he wasn't Stephen Reese Lewis, right? This is his... his uh a guy named Stephen Harrison. So, so <laughs> tell me right. about Stephen Harrison. What, what, what was he up to? Well, Stephen Harrison um, is a football commentator living in Thailand. Uh, he was absolutely aghast, he claims, when he read the story. Um, and, you know, that was my initial contact with him. I sent him a link to the story being like, hey, dude, can we have a chat? Um, and uh, I think, you know, initially he was pretty uh, spooked, as you would be, um, right. but he eventually agreed to have a chat to us and I guess he wanted to set the record straight, the one he had absolutely no idea that they had put up these uh, this fake CV about him um, and he also had 
wanted to make clear that he hadn't pocketed any of the uh, any of the money that had come into Hyperverse in Australian dollars. He was paid about seven and a half grand over nine mm. months, and he got a free suit and a couple of shirts and ties. So he was he was uh, you know, but he. I mean, it's a bit sus, right? Like he knew that he was being put up as the chief executive, but obviously he wasn't the chief executive. But he claims that he was told that this was pretty normal in the crypto industry. He rolled with it because he, you know, says he didn't he didn't realize what he was getting himself involved in. And the sense you got from your conversation with him is that he's a guy who was just making, he's making a bit of cash doing this performance as a, exactly you know, yeah. budding actor, but he, well, he wasn't involved. That's with, right. With, he, okay. he was keen to expand his repertoire. He was like, Hey, what about, do you want to be a, a fake chief executive? He's like, yeah, okay, cool. I can do that. The, the, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing that I, I was, I didn't think I read it twice too, because like, what uh, was, <laughs> so you, you've got a, a fake CEO and you found that mm. out, but there, there were these celebrity endorsements. There was, there was one oh, from yeah. Chuck Norris. This is the dawn of a new beginning with a metaverse odyssey with endless possibilities. There's one from the Apple co-founder, uh, Steve Wozniak. Reimagine a virtual world open for exploration in any way you choose. Be a galaxy pioneer. Go on intergalactic explorations. And those yeah. were real, right? Yeah. So, um, so I mean, we're not 100% sure how these messages of support were obtained, and I've certainly tried through contacting them either directly or through their agents um, to try and get some clarification around this. Um, but all four of these celebrities you can hire through the website Cameo mm. where you can pay a high-profile individual to yeah. read out something. Um, you know, it could be a birthday message or a business marketing video. And so, and you know, this is sort of going back to your question about how people were sucked into this. I mean, you know, like if he's not going to buy Bitcoin he, from Chuck. Yeah. Marks, right? I mean, Steve Wozniak, he's, he's made a lot of money. Like, like sign me up. Right. You know, to be clear, it's not, it's not uh, suggested that these, these uh, celebrities knew what they were promoting. Okay. So let's, let's talk about like, so that's the, that's the front. That's the fake leadership mm. of Hyperverse. That's some of the hype that's going on around. But then there, there are these two real people, these two central characters who are actually behind the, the, the scheme. And, and this mm. is uh, two guys named Sam Lee and Ryan Jew. Can, can you, can you start by telling me who Sam Lee is? Mm. So Sam Lee was sort of a, a blockchain entrepreneur in Australia, and we're talking like he was he was a young guy, you know. We're talking about um, in his twenties. Mm. He set up the Blockchain Centre in Melbourne, Australia. He was sort of at the forefront of this technology. He and uh, Ryan Jew set up the Bitcoin Group. They were keen to become the first blockchain company listed on the Australian mm. Stock Exchange. Uh, that didn't happen. They did try to do that, but that didn't happen. Uh, he was sort of dubbed the crown prince of Bitcoin in Australia. Now, Sam Lee has sort of said he uh, he, he claims he wasn't uh, involved in Hyperverse, even though Hypertech Group launched Hyperverse. It's a little bit difficult to get to the bottom of the organizational structure. Mm. He claims he was in involved in the funds management um, and technology side of the business, but not the multi-level marketing side of the business. So he's sort of uh, running away from this, even though throughout Hyperfund and Hyperverse, he and Ryan Zhu were sort of front and center um, of the promotional material. And people who bought into the scheme believed that Sam Lee and Ryan Zhu were the, the founders and um, were responsible for this scheme. 
Okay, and what about Ryan Zhu? Um, he's a Chinese citizen. He uh, completed a, a Bachelor of Engineering. He was a nuclear engineer in Beijing. Mm-hmm. He's one of China's four Bitcoin kings. He calls himself the Martian, um, which is a bit weird. Um, yeah, he felt like, he, like, the Mar- like someone from Mars. Like from Mars. Yeah, Why? because, uh, well, he, he says he gave himself this nickname because he felt like he didn't belong on Earth. So he's, yeah, it's it's kind of quirky. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know where Ryan Zhu is. Um, mm. So it's been very difficult, I guess, to, again, put questions to them to try and get a bit more clarity and light about how this all worked and how it was structured. Um, but both the Zhu and Lee were behind a company called Blockchain Global, right. which is an Australian company. And that company collapsed in 2021 and owes investors $58 million. Now, liquidators for that company have referred both Zhu and Lee to ASIC, our um, corporate regulator in Australia, mm-hmm. for alleged breaches of the Corporations Act. Um, and just this week, we reported that ASIC is now finally having a look at those allegations. So I just want to break uh, a couple things down here. So uh, mm. you said that Ryan Zhu, we're not sure where he is. Do we know where Sam Lee is? Uh, Sam Lee is in Dubai. He left for Dubai in late 2021. Um, so about uh, just before the collapse of blockchain global um, and has been there ever since. He's not doesn't hide the fact that he's in Dubai. He has done c- countless Zoom meetings um, and he's also hosted uh, many of the, the uh, sort of senior leadership of Hyperverse who've come to visit him in Dubai. His door's apparently always open. So so have you have you had a, any contact with Sam Lee or Ranji? Like, I guess I'm curious what they say about these allegations. Mm. Yeah, look, um, Sam Lee has declined to answer a lot of detailed questions that we, The Guardian has sent to him for a response. Um, he contacted me following the publication of the story to say that uh, it was full of misstatements, um, but he has declined to sort of outline what they are and we've sent a range of follow-up questions offering him right to reply and to try to explain um his involvement in Hyperverse and Hypernation and Hyperfund, um, but he hasn't responded when asked, you know, detailed questions. Mm-hmm. And he's also claims that people on the internet are making things up about him. And and, and what about Ryan Zhu? Have you have you had any contact with him? Or did, no. Has he said anything? No. I have tried to contact him. Um, I've had various. I've tried various means to contact him. Uh, he has a Hong Kong listed phone number, um, but I've been we've been unable to reach him for comment. So you you talked about the the, the fact that separately they they kind of co- co-founded Blockchain Global, this this mm. company that that you know uh, fell apart. They owe creditors almost sixty million dollars. Mm. I, I guess I'm curious when, when it comes back to the hyperverse and associated. Uh, mm. you know, things. Uh, have either of them been charged with anything in the Hyperverse universe? No. Um, the first arrest for Hyperverse actually happened just a couple of weeks ago in the US with a senior promoter called Rodney Burton, who was known as Bitcoin Rodney. Um, so he's the first person in this game to be charged with anything related to Hyperverse. Um, I mean, I guess one of the, thing, one of the things that has struck me about this is Something like this that runs sort of 
from the internet is sort of a, it's kind of a very difficult space to police. Um, right. And so I, I think uh, there there are some problems in terms of how these schemes present themselves as membership schemes and not um, you know not investment schemes, which obviously you know it's a difficult area and right. it's sort of shocking to me that these can run unchecked and um, you know we can be aware of them, but who's policing them? I don't have a clear answer to that question. I, I want to end this by coming back to the folks who lost money. And and mm. it sounds like there were a lot. I, I mean, I, I, one thing that stood out, a couple of things that stood out was this claim that, that Lee made on one of his Zoom calls that there were 2 million members in the hyper community. And mm. I know that's not something that was verifiable. And then there was also mm. kind of an audacious claim that he wanted to bring in like a billion people in three years. Mm. All that to say, a lot of people lost money. And and I guess my, my question a is- lot. Well, you know, what are the people who who lost money want going ahead? Like, what what what's the hope for them? Yeah, look, I mean, I think people want some justice. I think that's a natural human reaction to you know feeling that they have been ripped off. There are still people who are hanging out, hope that they might get some money back. Hmm. Um, I think most people I've spoken to have given up on that notion and just want to see some sort of level of accountability for the people who ran the scheme. You know, people have been really rocked by this. Um, You know, I've heard stories of people who, you know, lost their superannuation savings, lost money they'd set aside for surgery, people um, people whose livelihoods have really been shattered by this. You know, there's been claims of loss of life. There's been claims of... um, you know, people being completely broken. Um, And, you know, one guy I spoke to in Australia, he brought 18 people into the scheme. Mm. He said 16 of those people don't talk to him anymore. You know, relationships and friendships have been severely tested when these things um, fall apart. And that is, you know, I think it's really has been like a wrecking ball for Mm. so many people. And so people want justice. They really want someone to be held to account. Sarah, you've done amazing reporting, and I really appreciate you coming on to tell us about it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to FrontBurner, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.